0: He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to the conversation. So excited to talk about what we're talking about today, but Let's do what we always do. Let's make sure we pray as we jump into these cuts. Because as you saw from the thumbnail, this may hit close to home today. So let's pray. Invite the Holy Spirit into our time together and ask the Surgeon of Heaven to so sweetly but rightly cut on us. Spirit of the Living God, we take this moment to yield ourselves to you, to stop everything else that's happening, to fixate upon you, to focus on what you want to say to us about some of the habits in our lives. I pray right now that this time would not just be a conversation between two humans, but I pray this would be a court of three strands conversation where you don't just enter the conversation, but you hold the mic. You're the one speaking the most and the loudest. God, would you cut on us? Some of us are in desperate need of a measure of freedom you've wanted us to have for a very long time. Would you cut on us? Would you cut off every single thing that is making room for habits that are killing us? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, let's do this thing. Let's have a little bit of fun with this, but we're going to have a very honest conversation while we do it. So that we're all on the same page from the very beginning of this conversation, let's define what a bad habit is. A bad habit is any habit that dishonors God or destroys his temple, our body. And that can also touch our entire life. So tears down my physical body or tears down my life. Good habits, on the other hand, bring life and strength. But the other side of that coin is bad habits steal life and create weakness. So here's what I'd say before we get into the meat of this conversation. Do you enjoy losing? I don't. I hate to lose. And if I know that something I do is causing me to lose, I am typically more motivated to stop doing it or do something about it so that I will win more. So let me just say, even if it's not for spiritual purposes or motivated spiritually, take care of this. Do what you need to do about your bad habits if for no other reason so that you don't lose. As much as you're losing right now in this war, we are fighting against the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want to propose a thought to kind of calibrate the burden I feel for this conversation that the Lord gave me. Let's say you have seven days to live. I know that seems a little bit morbid, but if you knew you had only seven days left to live and God made you a deal that for every bad habit you break, he will add one more day to your life. How many habits would you break? All of them, right? Here's what we have to remember. Many habits are actually taking days away from our lives. And if God said that to you, he said, I'll give you one day, Extra day for every bad habit you break. What if he also said, now I'll go a little bit further. I'll add an extra week to your life for every biggie that bugs me most. What would you do? Even more importantly, which habits would you break? Which Bad habits would the God of the universe be pointing out in your life, in my life, that he most desires we do something about now? Might not be a bad idea just to hit the pause button on this episode and just take a couple of minutes, alone with the Lord, and write down a list. Lord, what are the habits you want me to do something about right now? What are the bad habits that are creating weakness in my life? What are the bad habits that are taking days away from my life? Where have I taken a good thing and made it bad because I habitually do too much of it? Well, if you hit the pause button and you are jumping back into this, let's jump into the fullness of this conversation. Let's ask and answer a couple of questions about bad habits. First, where do bad habits come from? This is more of a people thing than a place thing. I think there are two people that bad habits come from. Here's the first person bad habits come from. You. They come from you. James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 says temptation comes from our own desires, my own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, look what it produces. It gives birth to death. Bad habits don't create themselves. You do, I do. And if you think you have nothing to do with bad habits, you'll have nothing to do with breaking them. So own it. I have my bad habits because I created them. I'm responsible for them. Listen, don't be that person that that blames everybody else for the bad they do. When I was younger, I bit my fingernails literally almost off my fingers. Well, you can't blame someone else for biting your fingernails. You know it's you. But unfortunately, as we get older, things don't seem quite as clear to us. And so we find other people to blame for our bad habits. No, you'll never be free from it if you don't first take ownership of it. Think about it like this. If you love Oreos and you just, it's not just when they're on sale, but you buy four packs of Oreos at all times. You just, in your cupboard, you always have four packs of Oreos because when you feel down, when you feel disappointed or depressed or weak, you just reach for the Oreos. That They comfort you. Here's what I would say. Don't buy them Oreos for a season. Oreos aren't your tempter. If you keep buying them, though, you are. If you know they're your Achilles heel. And I'm not saying Oreos are inherently bad. It's a principle we're talking about, not a product. If you know they're a problem for you, don't buy them anymore. You're just tempting yourself. And scripture reminds us. Temptation comes from me. I am responsible at times for tempting me. Now, why do we allow bad habits? I think there are three big reasons that I want to talk about with the Oreos. First, bad habits can soothe us. Second, bad habits can numb us. And the third reason why we allow bad habits is they're really hard to break. So I understand as we go into this It's going to require some heavy lifting i'm not just saying we're going to be able to just you know like it's an oprah episode just all yell and scream i'm not doing that anymore and it's going to be as simple as that i know it's going to take work i know it's going to take commitment and i want to be sensitive that some of our habits are because we we feel like we need soothing we need some comfort we need some distraction I get it. It doesn't make it right, though. Okay? Here's the second person bad habits come from, your enemy. So that you don't feel like I'm bus chucking you too much. We have to be reminded. Bad habits also come from our enemy. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. If you think all temptation comes from you, you're simply leaving the door open for the devil to enter your world whenever he likes. I know what I'm about to to give you is a little bit of a dark illustration, but because our enemy is the king of darkness, we got to go here, all right? Let's just say you have a, a neighbor who is belligerently militant. I mean, they're just awful. That They make your life miserable. And let's just say that they're putting notes on your front porch every day saying, I want to kill you. Let me ask you a question. If you knew your neighbor was trying to kill you, would you leave your front door open, not just unlocked, All the time. Of course you wouldn't. (laughs) No wise person, if they knew their neighbor was trying to kill them, would leave their front door open at all times so their neighbor could come in any time in the middle of the night and take you out. So then why? Help me understand why we would ever leave the door open for the devil. You've got a neighbor, spiritually speaking, trying to kill you. And temptation is one of his favorite tools to trap you for the kill. Don't make the devil's job easier by touching his traps. Well Preston, be more specific. What does it mean to touch his traps? I'll tell you what I think it means. Entertaining gray areas. I think as believers, many of us get into trouble most often and most quickly when we dabble in gray areas. Let me talk to the singles for a minute and get get really specific using you all. What's a gray area? When you start in your mind or in your heart. Saying, talking about physical boundaries with the person you're dating, going, mm, I, don't, I don't see that in the Bible, that it's bad. So, as long as we're not having intercourse, then I think this is okay. Okay, listen. Anytime I kind of talk with that tone to myself, I'm in the middle of a gray area. A gray area is where darkness eventually dances with the light, and light eventually dances. With the darkness. I don't want anything to do with gray areas because gray areas don't answer the knock of the enemy. They open the door for the enemy to come right in. So listen, when we talk about temptation, don't make the devil's job easier. When you make tempting you easy, you're making it easy to create really bad habits that are really hard to break. Second question. Why are bad habits habitual? Or how do they become habitual? Well, here's the first way, ignorance. Any habit you don't see will always be hard to break or stop. Well, Preston, how can we actually be ignorant of our own habits? I I I think we're, most of us are aware enough, I know when I'm doing something wrong. Absolutely not. You know how many times? This is just an example. I think a lot of people deal with this when they're younger. Like my boys. That they, They'll bite their nails all the time. And they don't even realize it until you point it out. I think we think we are far more self-aware than we actually are. The reality is we're not. It's easier for us to see everybody else than it is for us to see What's going on with ourselves? Ephesians chapter five, verses 16 and 17 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How can we be ignorant? How do we become ignorant of our bad habits? A lack of consistent personal assessment. Often we get so used to our habits that if no one calls us out on it, we allow it to remain our normal. And the longer it remains our normal, the harder it is for us to realize we've normalized it. We convince ourselves. If no one confronts me on this, then I've probably not crossed the line with it yet. Okay, let's talk about this for a sec. If you go A hundred miles an hour and a 65. Are you breaking the law if you don't get pulled over? Of course you are. You're just not getting caught. Well, here's part of the thing as we talk about bad habits that become sinful. God sees everything. We get caught every time. We just don't always see the consequence right away. Ignorance with God says, if he didn't give me a consequence, he didn't actually catch me. This is dangerous. This is a dangerous line of thinking. Because if you'll consistently cross the line, the consequence will eventually catch up to you. And one of the worst things we can do with our bad habits is to convince ourselves, as long as we're not being caught, it's not that big of a deal. As long as we're not being called out, it ain't no big deal. If God doesn't like it or approve of it, it's a big deal. If it's hurting me, God's going to hate it. And one of the things that makes bad habits so difficult is my own ignorance. Now, how do you keep from getting ignorant? It's easy. I already told you personal, consistent personal assessment, but here's another way. Get information from others. I'm going to give you a little homework, all right? Ask some people closest to you, which of my habits annoy you most? (laughs) If, If you're married, go home and just ask. Hey, babe, which of my habits annoy you the most? Here's an even more important and more serious question. Which of my habits concern you most? This is a fantastic date night conversation. Now, I know sometimes when we ask really hard questions, a date night can go either way. depending on how close it hits to home. That's why I think, start with the first question. Hey, which of my habits annoy you most? And, and it will probably be silly stuff, slightly frustrating stuff. But when you ask someone you love, which of my habits concern you most? This is an answer we need to consistently hear from the people closest to us who love us the most. And here's what I'd say. When you ask this question, don't get defensive in your heart with your response. I don't know if you're this way, but if I ask a a hard question like this to my wife or to one of my best friends and their answer, triggers me and I get defensive with my response, it's one of the ways I know they're really right and it's probably even worse than they're saying and it's certainly worse than I thought. So get input from the outside. Consistently ask questions. What do you see? And if you're really brave, go through the six major areas of your life. Say physically. Ask people, what habits do you see physically in the physical area of my life? What good habits do you see? What are the habits that concern you financially? What habits do you see that are alarming you right now? Listen, many of us say, I want to do big things for the Lord, but few of us want to do the hard work and heavy lifting to be able to be entrusted by the Lord, with really important work on the earth, on his behalf. I think it's things like this, addressing habits and how we got there. Here's the next thing. How do habits become habitual? Excuses. Excuses. Real talk right here. Any bad behavior you excuse will continue to exhaust you until you confess it. Remember, King David said one of the most brilliant things after he had sinned. He had opened the door for sexual sin and other sins. And he said, while I refused to confess what I did, essentially, my body, my heart, my mind, they were eating me alive until I confessed it. Okay, I think some of us feel like we have to hide the things we're struggling with. But I'll i will just tell you, anytime one of my friends comes to me and starts the conversation by saying, hey, I, I'm really having a hard time with this. There's a habit I have that I'm struggling to shake. Will you step in and help me? A good friend is never going to judge you, even if what you're doing is wrong. stand for what's right and what honors the lord but they're not going to bash you and tear you down in judgment because you're struggling with something and i know we're talking about more sinful things with that but even on other things if one of my friends comes to me and says hey i'm soothing right now by spending money online i just need you to hold me accountable That's the opposite of excuses. But have you ever noticed how we judge others for their bad habits while simultaneously excusing our own? It's kind of what we do. And you know why we do it? I think two reasons. One, we don't want to think about our own bad habits. And two, it makes us feel better about our bad habits talking negatively about others based on the bad habits we see in their lives. When, I, when I'm when i not doing this Christ following thing correctly, one of the ways I know is when I judge everybody else for doing things that are not even as bad as something I'm struggling with. Let's talk about excuses for a minute and sin, bad habits. Do you realize when sin entered the world for the first time, it actually gave birth to the first excuse? Let me show you, Genesis 3.13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. She blamed. That's why I ate it. I ate what you told me not to eat because the serpent did it. Isn't this what we do? The first sin made space for earth's first excuse. Proverbs 25 verse 3 says, Someone is watching you closely, you know, someone not impressed with weak excuses. I think sometimes (laughs) we think the Lord might be a pushover, the way maybe one of our parents was, where we would make a mistake or do something wrong and they would kind of move the line and we could kind of get away with it. God's not like that. He's never accepted one of my excuses. Now, he's gracious, firm, but gracious. But when I come to him with an excuse, when he comes to me with a sin and especially one I've consistently crossed the line into, and my response is to throw out an excuse, well, see, the thing is, there's been a lot going on at work. He ain't buying it. He is not that kind of daddy. Here's why. If you keep making an excuse, if I keep making an excuse about a bad habit that's killing me, eventually, if I leave it there long enough, it's going to take me out. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 13 says, you know the old saying, first you eat to live and then You live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but there's no excuse for stuffing your body with food. Notice that. There's no excuse. And I know this is talking specifically about food, but look, it transitions or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. Okay, here's the principle. Just because it feels good doesn't make it good. Something that is good, having a little bit of it, this is the principle with alcohol, I believe, in Scripture. Uh, There are passages that say that a little wine is good for my body. Okay. But there are also passages that say too much is really, really, really bad. There's no excuse for excess. That's what I feel like, in part, this passage is saying. Preston, there's no excuse for excess. Here's another way to say it. There will never be a good reason for a bad habit that hurts me. And I think when we think about excuses, I actually think there's one excuse that we put at the top of the list that makes many bad habits okay in our minds here's here's the number one excuse i think stress stress well lord i'm stressed you're just gonna have to cut me some slack because i'm stressed right now see how that goes over with him usually when i tell the lord i'm stressed he starts asking questions Mm -hmm, why why are you stressed Oh, because you're carrying something I didn't ask you to carry. Oh, you're stressed because you're doing something I didn't ask you to do. Oh, you're stressed because you're trying to do something in your own strength, apart from me. (laughs) Let me just tell you from experience, don't use stress as an excuse with the Lord. Stress is not a reason to sin. It's a test to see if you will. This is why the next time you find yourself in a stressful situation, kind of get excited about it. It's a test. It's a heavy load. Stress just means you feel under heavy load. It's a test to see where you cross the line. Some of us right now are saying, Lord, I'm ready to graduate into the next season of what you have for me. I'm ready for more. One of the ways he tests us to see if that's actually true is stress i tell people that run with me all the time be careful when you walk around saying i'm so stressed out about the church right now it's just so stressful it's so much and i say be careful here's why five years from now where we are today will seem like kindergarten so if what you're saying today is over dramatically Just so hard today. I'm just so stressed out. What you're actually telling the Lord is you're not going to be able to get to junior high or high school spiritually. So just something to think about. Be careful how you articulate your stress. Take it to the Lord. But when He starts asking you hard questions, honestly answer them. Because stress, he will never allow stress as an excuse to do something that hurts you here's the third question how do we break bad habits and that's the title of this whole conversation breaking bad habits how do we break them first we need to deal with our perspective understand slavery is not inevitable I know that's a very strong word to use and I want to be very sensitive with it. But we're talking about slavery to sin, which scripture absolutely tells us is not only a possibility, but a certainty before Christ and apart from Christ and what he's done for us. If you are someone who is presently or consistently hears the enemy, Taunt you with this lie. It's always going to be this way. You're always going to struggle with this. I want to say this to you No, you are not. You're not always going to struggle with this, and don't take his bait. He's trying to trick you into staying stuck in a sin you don't want anything to do with any longer. He's lying to you. But whatever you yield to will become your master. And if you serve a master, you can expect to receive wages. Sin pays a wage. Death. But God also pays a wage. Holiness and everlasting life. If you're stuck in a sin you want nothing to do with, Please hear my heart. Even more importantly, please hear God's. You don't have to stay like this. You don't have to stay stuck where you are. Romans chapter six speaks to this. Verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or... You can choose to obey God. Look at this. When people talk about obeying God and they make it sound like some negative thing, are you seeing obedience to God is the opposite of being a slave to sin? Like we think disobedience is the opposite of obeying God. Look at this. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Preston, you want that? No, Lord, I don't. Okay. Or you can choose to obey God. That's the other side of the coin pressing, which leads to righteous living. If I will obey God, put him first, do what he says, follow his lead. It leads to the opposite of sinful living, righteous living. It leads to the opposite of being stuck in a sin I want nothing to do with. Watch verse 17. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we were given. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Verse 14, go back a couple of verses. Sin is no longer your master. This is talking about children of God. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Go back a few more verses. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We don't have to buy the lie that whatever we're struggling with today, we will struggle with forever. We've been set free from the power of sin because of Jesus and what he did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Sin has no dominion over Christ. And we, as children of God, are in Christ. Every time temptation comes, get this picture. If I'm in Christ and temptation comes to tempt me, its first reaction is to turn away because I'm in Christ. He's not coming to tempt Jesus anymore. Temptation only comes back when I invite it. I hope you're getting this picture. I am in Christ. And when he comes to try and tempt me, first reaction is to turn away. But if in Christ, I reach out and go, no, 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 come back, come back. I know Jesus doesn't want anything to do with this, but I do, come back. Temptation only comes back when I invite it and sit with it. If you're someone who thinks I'll never be free from this, can I encourage you? A believer in Jesus who thinks they'll never be free has simply forgotten They've already been set free. They've just got to enforce the freedom they have in Christ. You just have to enforce the freedom Christ has given you. And listen, that's going to come with changing some things about the way you do your life. There's no doubt about this. That's just common sense. You're not going to live as a free person by doing the same things you did as a slave. you're going to have to do the opposite. And how did we become a slave to sin? By doing what we wanted when we wanted. How do we enforce the freedom that comes in Christ Jesus? We follow Jesus. And when Jesus says, and don't. Sarah, don't. Don't go near it. Don't even dip your toe into that gray area. Because the gray is Satan's toy and tool to get you to trip into the darkness. Don't go near it. Living free and staying free means not going back to the behaviors we had when we were slaves to sin. Here's the last thing I want to give you to think about. And really, if you're struggling with a bad habit, I don't want you just to think about this. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. It's not going to be enough just to think about this. You don't stop habits. You kill them. Trying to stop a habit is like politely asking the devil if he could possibly, maybe, if he feels like it, stop tempting you. Satan doesn't respond to polite requests. You have to make him respond with profuse resistance. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Polite requests aren't gonna get it done. Let me try and paint this picture. Uh, We in the summer times, uh, often as it starts to get hot here in Scottsdale, in Arizona, uh, we spent some time in an RV. And typically, we like to go to cooler places to get out of the heat for a little bit. And so when we're in colder places at nighttime, family loves the fire. Well, one of the things you have to be really careful about is a, a trailer could really turn into a bonfire really fast. And so you don't want your fire too close to your rig, right? But what kind of a fool would I be if I allowed my kids to create this eight foot tall bonfire within proximity, close proximity to my RV. And then before I fell asleep, I let the fire rage And thought, you know, to protect our investment, I'm just going to put a low fence around the fire, and that will do it. Is that what you would do? That's definitely not what they tell you to do. They tell you to put out the fire before you go to bed so that it doesn't do anything disastrous while you're not looking. You don't put out a fire by putting a fence around it you extinguish it completely okay i am not trying to pick on singles right now I promise but I, I just it, it just keeps kind of coming back so I'm just I'm setting it here and, and you don't need to get in the comments and say pressing that was for me you can just let this be between you and the lord but but let's talk about this for a minute putting a fence around an eight foot bonfire next to where you fall asleep at night is kind of the equivalent of going into her apartment at 1130 at night, convincing yourself you're going to do something godly like have a Bible study. Not taking any shots, okay? But if it's just the two of you at nearly midnight, I think we can wait until tomorrow to have a Bible study. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't makes sense to me to put yourself in a position where you kind of create a mental or emotional fence but physically you get as close to the fire as you can stand listen you got to put out the fire so sometimes that means you know what i'm, I'm just going to go home tonight this has been a great date um, but i'm just going to head to the house uh, and i'll give you a ring in the morning extinguish it you don't stay safe from fire by playing with fire and so we have to be a little hard on ourselves as it relates to our boundaries watch this romans 6 verse 6 paints a picture really clearly on how we deal with this we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Okay, here's kind of my problem with people who use this verse. A lot of people use the last sentence. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's absolutely correct. But it's also true that sin can have power in your life when you don't consistently crucify your flesh. Oh, I'll be fine. It's not that big of a deal. No, it is. And it isn't just hurting you. It's one cut at a time killing you. It's not worth it. We're no longer slaves to sin, but that doesn't mean we can just walk around in freedom without boundaries. We've got to consistently crucify our flesh. Kill it. It doesn't say stop it. We stopped our flesh, our old sinful selves with Christ. No. In order to pull off this life following Jesus, I've got to die like Jesus. And Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He was relationally dying the whole time. Everywhere he went, he was laying his life down for people before he went to the cross to actually lay his body down. consistently carrying my cross every day. His cross needs to be involved in the establishment of my boundaries. Here's an even clearer picture. Matthew chapter 18, verses seven, eight, and nine temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Okay. File that one away. If, Your lack of boundaries is tempting someone else to move their boundary. Look what Jesus says. What sorrow awaits that person? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand, Preston, or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and both of your feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. It's not worth it to play, to dabble in darkness by moving the boundaries and allowing ourselves to have consistently bad habits which dishonor the Lord or tear down the temple of our God. It's not worth it. And I'm telling you from experience, typically when I give myself an inch, I will try and take a mile. So we've got to be diligent with our bad habits. Because here's what scares me. If we let it go for too long, I've seen it time and time again where people use that as an excuse. They feel it, it, it's just so hard to break now. I can't. And so they become content to die with it while it's killing them every day of their lives. It's just not worth it. And I want you to think about this. What if someone you loved asked you to kill a bad habit? What if they came to you, the person you love the most and said, If you love me, will you kill that bad habit? What would you do? What if you're a grandparent and you have a smoking problem? You're smoking two packs a day. It soothes you, you've always done it, and your daughter's pregnant with your first grandchild? What if she said to you, hey dad, you can't smoke around the baby. I've tried to get you to stop. This is killing you. But I can't have you kill the baby by doing this around her all the time. What would you do? I've actually seen people when they feel they have a good enough reason, stop, literally kill it in such a way that they never touch it again. Why? Because that's what love does. Listen, (laughs) the evidence of love is sacrifice. Love runs on sacrifice. So if someone asked you to kill a habit that's killing you, if you really love them, you would kill it. All right, well, I have some convicting news for all of us. Someone who loves you, whom you love very, very much, is asking you and me to kill a bad habit, which is killing us. And this person is the God of the universe. He is asking us to kill the bad habits, which are killing us. What bad habits do you need to kill today? What bad habits are today getting in the way of what God wants to do for you, in you, and through you tomorrow? My advice, don't wait till tomorrow to kill him. Make use of the day he's given you today and kill them all. Every habit that is killing you cut by cut. I want to pray. And I want to especially pray over those who feel they're up under it. And that there's just a habit that they become convinced they're never going to be able to break. They're never going to be able to kill. I, as your brother, I'm just a brother. I'm no expert, but I am your bro. And I love you so much, and I'm scrappy, and I like to fight. And if you're up under it, and you say, there's a, there's a habit I know that dishonors the Lord and tears down his temple. I want it killed, but deep down, I've kind of bought the lie that it's always going to be like this. Listen, I'm with you. I know God's with you, but I'm with you, and I want to pray over you. I want to light you up like a Christmas tree and shut up your enemy from trying to get you to buy this lie. So let me pray over you, all right? If that's you, I want you just to open up your hands. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you some things right now. And while I'm praying, the Spirit of the living God is going to cut on you cut some things off of you, some baggage that's been attached to you, some heavy weights that have been crushing you, some habits which have been killing you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for the master surgeon to sweep in. Would you just blanket them with comfort right now? If one of the reasons why they do what they do in regards to this bad habit is soothing and comfort, Holy Spirit, would you do what you do? You are the comforter. Would you comfort them? Holy Spirit, would you strengthen them? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every child of God, spirit of the living God. Would you give them access? To the power of God, would you strengthen them? The enemy has tried to convince them that they're weak and that they're going to die this way. But God, you are with them and the devil is a liar. Holy Spirit, would you just cut off everything holding them back and holding them down? In Jesus' name, would you cut it off? Cut it off me, cut it off them. We want to run the race set before each of us. Races are so much harder carrying dead weight. Holy Spirit help us. I pray the freedom that comes with Christ Jesus would be enforced in all of our lives. But Holy Spirit, we need your help to pull it off. Help us to resist. I pray for an anointing to resist temptation in Jesus' name. I pray for an anointing to move the goalpost of temptation further away, outside of reach. Holy Spirit, I pray for an anointing to shut down the enemy when he himself tries to come tempt. Holy Spirit, I pray that as these habits die, the room that's created for life-giving habits, I pray those would give life to utter domination, in this season of their lives God thank you for being our help very present help in times of trouble I pray over my brothers and sisters that the next time the enemy comes to tempt them that God they would sense you shut him down as they resist him in your strength with your support in Jesus name amen well I love you so much I believe in you and don't you dare believe the lie of the enemy that it's always going to be like this no it's not things are about to change right now why Because God is God and you are his child. Let God be God. Let him be daddy. Climb up into his lap. Be honest about what you're feeling. And do what must be done. When he shows you how to kill every bad habit that's killing you. I love you so much. I'll see you next week.